Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Sure. Sorry. Right, do it. Go ahead. Brace Go for ahead. that. Right. So you got a kid on your team, and his oh, name is Bruno. I get it. I get it. I get and it. I tell I you I that when it. he makes a game-winning shot, that you should tell him that nobody talks about it, I and you it. didn't get it, and now the light bulb is clicking, and that's how we're starting the show. It clicked late. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it clicked late. I'm so sorry. Damn. <sighs> and you know the worst thing is that every practice I'd be like, Bruno, we don't talk about you. And he would always laugh, but – I can't believe I didn't get that. I'm disappointed in myself, actually. <sighs> That's funny. All right, so we are back on a snowy Wisconsin Wednesday, and yeah. I've been I've been looking forward to this show like all week because like we only got yeah. two basketball games to talk about. We got one Bucks game and one Badgers game, mm-hmm. and then we got our Brewers primer. I'm super excited because we got we got keychains to give away. We got buttons. So we're going to give him some stuff away, and we're talking about the Brewers later. And also, I get to break out the Yelly sweatshirt. So shout out to Tyler over at Wisco Ball. Like, this sweatshirt, like, it's so comfortable. Like, the inside is so soft and comfortable, and, like, it it fits well. It's comfortable. It's warm. Awesome. So if you want to check those out, you can get those at wiscoball.com. Um, thanks to Tyler for for getting Wisco Fanatics shirts made for us as well, so you can get those also at Wisco Ball's website. Um, so we're gonna start with Badgers. No power pair this week because we only have yeah. one yeah. game to talk about, so it's gonna be the same thing for the Brewer for the Bucks. Sorry, I'm so in Brewers mode right now because that's all I've been doing research on for the last like four days because of the Badgers played on Saturday. So like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, like all I've been thinking about is Brewers. And now we're here. We're going to talk about the Badgers who played tonight, but let's start with Badgers and Rutgers from Saturday. What stood out to you from that game? A gutty, gutty loss, but I don't want to sound, you know, disappointing or anything like that, even though I am a little bit, but people got to, got to chill. That's how I'm going to start this. People got to chill. It's not like they're, they're losing every game by 25 and they're shooting nine percent from the field and they're missing every shot i mean yes mm-hmm. they go through droughts but for anybody who's been a lifelong badgers fan and i've seen people talking about oh bo ryan would be disappointed for anybody who's been a lifelong badgers fan we went through scoring droughts with bo ryan mm-hmm. i'm just gonna say that right now okay yep. not not to take away from bo ryan's greatness because obviously we love bo ryan we love the badgers but mm-hmm. It happens, man. Every team goes through droughts, obviously not to the capacity that the, the Badgers do. I almost said Brewers, too. I have to pause. Some do. I mean. Um, yeah. Um, so what I was really going to say here is, uh, you know, the, this the Badgers shot pretty well in the first half. Um, I, I heard this stat on the radio. Matt LePay was on the radio. I believe it was on Monday. And he talked how the Badgers went 6 for 11 inside the arc in the first half. In the second half, they went 1 for 10. And he brought up a stat how the the Rutgers are number three in the country defending the two-point shot. So when you think about it, when you watch this game, and you you said it right away when I was talking to you about this, you said that they were packing the paint, and they were. That's absolutely what what their focus was. 
We are not going to allow them to score inside. We are going to make them beat us behind the arc. And what pro team in this state does that remind you of from the last couple seasons? Exactly. It's the Mike system. Exactly. And obviously the Badgers did not, didn't knock down enough. They hit a couple. I mean, McGee hit a couple. Um, Jordan Davis actually hit, hit one or two of them. Um, they, they hit some big shots. Max Klesman hit one right at the end of the first half to make it a two-point game. They made some. They didn't make enough. And that's just what it was. They didn't make enough shots. I mean, they had the lead towards the end of this game, but the Rutgers ended up taking it back. At the end of the day, the, the Badgers are not a bad, horrible basketball team. And the Rutgers are not a bad, horrible team to lose to either. So this is not a terrible loss. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to let you go and then I'll feed off of you. But I just want people to freaking calm down, man. And everybody calling for guard's head. It's just like it's fucking ridiculous. Why are we game-by-game game analysis on his job? That's not how this works. So this is something that's going to kind of put people into a box. And that is – you can bring up Greg Gard's previous success in the Big Ten, right? You know, every time somebody's like, we need to fire Gard because of this one bad season. And then somebody brings up the fact that the Badgers have won two of the three last Big Ten titles. And when you say that, people instantly say, okay, that's a regular season thing. We don't care about that. What about the tournament? And now here the same people are wanting Greg Gard fired because they're having a bad regular season. So does the regular season matter or not? Or does it only matter in a season where they're not playing well, and it doesn't matter in a season where they win the Big Ten tournament? Bingo. Fucking bingo. Where do you draw the line on what regular season games matter? You know what? I really wanted to have this. I'm, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm going to bring up something that's similar to this discussion. When we talk bucks, so hold on to that thought. I'm okay. just gonna let you continue. I'm gonna let you continue. So that's that's where I'm at with it because you know we're gonna start, we're gonna basically start a catchphrase. And what's up, Tim? We're gonna basically start a catchphrase, and the phrase is every time the Badgers play is we're on the quest for madness. We want the Badgers to get into the March Madness tournament, so we're gonna call it Quest for Madness. That's what we're doing. It starts today. The quest for madness starts today. Yes, sir. So that's what we're doing with the Badgers. Now, Badgers against Rutgers. Badgers got off to a, a nice start. They were up 7-2 to two in the first three minutes. And then Chucky Hepburn got a super weak offensive foul call. Yeah. Like, damn near flopping, warning, worthy offensive foul. A few possessions later, Chucky Hepburn tries to draw a charge, gets a shoulder to the chest. I would say something worth worth a no call, in my opinion. And Chucky Hepburn gets called for a block. I mean, off to a rough start already. And I hate blaming officials, and I'm not going to blame officials for the loss. But they got off to a rough start to this game, and it was tough for Chucky Hepburn to recover. Yeah. And I'm not going to blame Chucky Hepburn because everybody's entitled to a bad game. Yep. Including Connor Asijin. And I'm going to talk about those two again when we get when I get closer to the second half. Um, Chucky Hepburn gets that weak offensive foul call. Rutgers hits back-to-back threes on their next two possessions after that. After that, Jordan Davis started to hunt his shot. He scored five straight points, gave the Badgers a 12-11 lead. Now, I posted this on Facebook, so if you follow us on Facebook, you might have seen this already. 
But the Badgers were down 11-7. They go on a 5-0 run to take a 12-11 lead. Mm-hmm. Rutgers goes on a 5-0 run to take a 16-12 lead. The Badgers then go on a third 5-0 run and make it 17-16. So three straight 5 nothing runs between Wisconsin and Rutgers. Um, I liked seeing Tyler Wall be a more decisive in this game. Um, first half, he takes one dribble, gets to the paint, and then does a wraparound pass to Stephen Crowell, who gets a wide-open dunk. That, to me, is where Tyler Wall is having his better games. It's where he's being more decisive. Yeah, That's really what I'm looking for from Tyler Wall. When he's back to the basket, and the same could be said for Stephen Crowell. When they're both back to the basket and they're just pounding the ball four, five, six times, it, it gives the defense you know, a chance to be you know, alert, ready, prepared, focused on whatever you're going to do, whatever move you're going to do. But if, if you have Tyler Wall, say he catches, spins, one dribble, and he's at the rim. That, that quickness, that is where I'm noticing the difference from Tyler Wall having good games and bad games. When Tyler Wall's dribbling the ball three, four, five times, and then he's trying to do a jump hook, that shot's more easily contested, and those are the ones that he's having trouble making. So I want to see a more decisive Tyler Wall starting with tonight because it did do him well in the first half. So Stephen Crowell gets that dunk. Kamari McGee hits his first three-pointer, and it's a 5 nothing run for the Badgers. Connor Asijin had a great pass to Stephen Crowell for the layup. I don't generally like seeing post entries from the top, but it did work for Connor Asijin to Stephen Crowell. It was a nice pass after the pick and roll. Um, I will say, when Rutgers was in a zone, the Badgers did a very good job of working the baseline. When we were in high school and teams played zoning in us, we literally had one guy whose job it was was to run from baseline to baseline. Yep. That was literally his job. You get to the corners or you get to the short corner, and that was basically one player's job was just to continue running baseline to baseline wherever the ball went. And the Badgers were doing that, and it was serving them well. They were hitting threes. They were getting to the paint. Mm-hmm. So the Badgers, you know, that's something that Greg Gard's not going to get credit for because it's going to be something, oh, that's what they should do. Like, that's still good coaching, even if it's something you should do. Yeah. Um, so I'll say that. You mentioned Max Klesman right before half to cut the lead to two. Um, Stephen Kroll. Great start to the second half. He gets a stop. He gets a contest. The Badgers get a miss. And then he comes down and hits a three. If we can get that clutch Stephen Crowell that can hit like one three a game that's just had like a pivotal moment, like that could be something that swings games for the Badgers. How many five-point games have they lost now? Five or less. Games decided by five or less. I think six. I want to say they're 10 and six. Yeah. Games decided by five or less. I mean, if you can just hit some of those pivotal shots, like you said, they're ju- it's just coming down to making shots. It is. It's, I mean, you, you look at a five-point game, that's a three and a two. And yeah. you're talking about some of these games going into overtime, which obviously is, you know, it's a different thing. But, I mean, you're talking, if you hit two more threes or two twos and a three, and you're talking about wins, not narrow losses. So, yeah. and like you said, to your point, you know, it's not like they're losing every game by 20. It's not like they're Minnesota, who's what one in eleven in conference play now. Yeah, they're pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, Wisconsin, I think, is what seven and nine, seven and ten in conference play. So it's obviously not ideal, but they played four of those games without Tyler Wall. And if you really look at the Big Ten rankings, there's a bunch of teams at nine and seven, and there's a few teams at seven and nine. So it's not like they're 
you know, they're they're in a group of of teams that are just really just beating the crap it's, out of each other. Essentially, if they win three games in a row, they could go from the bottom half to the top half of the Big Ten. Yeah. yeah. If they, so, if I mean, they, right if now, they out, yeah, they yeah, right now they're pretty much in the area that people were expecting them to be in anyways. Yeah. So, and it's it's the, the recency bias of it where it's like hot start and now it's gone down. But, you know, when they're picked to finish here, but then they go up here and then they go down to where they were expected. This is, and I wish I would have hammered this even harder in the beginning of the season when I predicted this to happen. Because, like, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this to be like, oh, I was so right. Like I said, the Badgers were going to get off to a hot start, get ranked, and then have tough couple months. That has happened. And I wish I would have hammered on it more to not freak out when they come back to earth a little bit because their schedule is a little bit starter, a little bit softer starting out. Yeah. So, like, like I said, I did predict that, but I wish I would have hammered harder to not freak out when they come back to earth. And it is what it is. We're here now. Um, it was interesting seeing Chucky Hepburn and Kamari McGee on the floor together for a little bit. Uh, a little bit of two-point guard action there. Tyler Wall was coming alive. He was passing and scoring. It's good to see that. Um, the Badgers, like you mentioned, they were one of 12 on field goals at one point. And then they hit three consecutive three-pointers. Kamari McGee, Max Klesmet, and Jordan Davis, three consecutive threes. Um, and, we're, and we're one Connor Asijan make at any point in this game from this being a Badgers win. Yep. And I saw people complaining because Kamari McGee and Jordan Davis were shooting well, and Greg Gard didn't have them on the floor at the end of the game. And bottom line, I'm not going to get mad at a coach for putting his best players on the floor, even when they're not shooting well. Asijan's probably been our best player this entire season. Most and I season. and I don't think I would disagree with you. Because even though he wasn't shooting well, he was still defending. Not, you know, I'm not saying he's a great one on one defender, but he like when Rutgers was trying to do a lot of post entries to their big man, um, it happened at least twice that Connor Asijan went and stole the ball as the ball was being entered. Yeah. It happened at least twice. Yeah. And he was getting a lot of rebounds. So that was good to see from uh, Connor Asijan. And he had a good look at the runner that he took. So I don't have a problem with the play design on the last play of the game either. You get Connor Asijan going towards the basket. You get your best shooter going towards the basket with percentages go up every time you get a step closer. Like, I don't understand why people are mad at it strictly because he didn't make it. And, you know, like, like we've said before, we both said this just in different ways. Connor is just getting a, a heaping giant pile of here, learn this, here, learn this, learn it on the fly, figure this right. out, this different look, this different look. We're going to run this play for you, this play for you. Next year when he comes in, he's going to put the work in. He's going to remember all this stuff that happened. He's just going to be a freaking killer. Next I, year wished, I wish I remember who said it. It was on one of the radio shows. Um, but they said it, like the fact that he's a freshman and that he's getting this much attention like from – like within the program, like from the coaching staff and stuff like that, that he's getting this much like usage mm -hmm. should, should excite people. Yeah. Imagine two years from now, what junior Connor Asijan is going to look like. It's going to be a bad boy. These, and then we're talking about next year, 
talking about Gus Yeldon and, and Noah Winter coming in and Tyler Wall can exercise his COVID year and come back and be a super senior and play till he's 35 like Brad Davison did. <laughs> and we'll still have Crowell. Hopefully he puts on a little bit more muscle. Yeah, Crowell's, on, Crowell's only Chuck- a sophomore, bro. Yeah, and we'll have Chucky. And, I mean, so he'll be a junior next year. Like, the, You're talking that, basically about your two best players being a sophomore and a freshman and your, your most experienced player having missed four games in the middle of the season. And then we're bringing in a lot of versatile scorers next year. So it's like we're not trying to, like, write this season off because that's not what we do. Exactly. Right? And that, exactly. That's, we've, yeah. we've had a lot of discussions about people doing that before, and we're not yep. doing that. But we're saying that there, there's just reason for optimism with this season. Right. And there's still reason to hold out hope. You know, it's like like you said before, it starts it starts tonight, right? Yep. And we're, we're going to go against the Iowa team um, that is three and six on the road. Uh, Badgers are eight and five at home. And it's a whiteout, just like it is outside. So True. should match Mother Nature inside True. the cold center. So you're not going to be able to um, see anybody walking into the arena. <laughs> no, we're not. Especially since it's been winter for so long, we're all pasty white. True. <laughs> so you add that on top of the white T-shirt, you're only going to be able, you're going to see a bunch of floating red W's. You're just you're just going to see just going to see jeans. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it starts tonight, and against the Iowa team that plays, you know. Not super well on the road. Who knows what could happen? They could go on a run. We don't know if they're going to win this game. You know, they play Purdue coming up here. They went. They play Minnesota as well. I forgot. I'm missing one game. Oh, Michigan. So they play Michigan, Iowa, yeah. Michigan, Purdue, and Minnesota to wrap the season up. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to remain positive. I can tell you that. Right. And to your to your point, like you said. Like the way that we are, like we're not, we're not writing off the season, um, and it's for people that want to complain. Like you'll have you'll have the entire off season to complain if that's what you want to do. Yeah. So there's what could it possibly hurt you to support the team for the next couple weeks over their last what they got five games left? Uh, four. Four games. So what could it possibly hurt you? To, to just cheer them on for the last four games. And if they lose all four, like you think they're going to anyways, you can still spend the entire offseason bitching and complaining if that's what you really want to do. I'm going to tell you right now, if they win the next four games, including uh, number five Purdue team, which a lot of analysts from all networks have said is the best team in the country with the best, most dominant player in the country, if they win those four games and beat Purdue, they're getting in the goddamn tournament, whether you oh, like yeah. it or not. Whether you like it or not. Oh, yeah. And I saw a guy comment on our page, actually, and he said, oh, they they have nine losses. You think they're getting in the tournament? The best they could do is the NIT. Dude, if they win all four games and beat Purdue, they're getting in the goddamn big dance. If they win three out of four and lose to Purdue and win one or two Big Ten tournament games, they're probably still in. I would agree with that. They're definitely in the first four out, first four in kind of range. Right. They're on the bubble. They're on the bubble for sure. And they, they need to win, I'd say, at least three out of four. They beat a Iowa, a Michigan, who has been disappointing as well. Um, Iowa's been all right. They've been up and down. They beat an Iowa team, a Michigan team, and uh, obviously a bad Minnesota team. And like you said, they'll play two games and say they win two games in the Big Ten. They're definitely getting in. They're going to be like an 11 or 12 seed. But I don't give yeah. a shit. Just give me a chance and get in the tournament. Exactly. That's what you I said know. to when Mike was on last week. That's what I said. I'm like, I can see the Badgers ending up in that 
that 11 seed play in game. Oh, I could see that. That'd be fun. That would be fun. We get an extra game. Like, I'm totally down for that. Oh, we get yeah. That Tuesday, Wednesday gap, like after selection Sunday, and everybody's filling out their brackets. Like, we get a Badger game that day. Like, fuck yeah. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sign me up. Like, I'll watch another Badger game. Yeah, right. I'm definitely picking them to win that, that playing game, though. <laughs> right. So, you know, last couple things on the Rutgers thing here. Badgers shot 36 three-pointers. Like you said, like we said, um, Rutgers are a good paint defense team, and the Badgers took what they were given. And I don't have a problem with any of the guys that were shooting threes. Jordan Davis, Max Klesmick, Chucky Hepburn, Connor Asijan, Kamari McGee. I don't have a problem with any of those guys shooting threes. Stephen Crowell, shoot shoot two or three a game. Like, no more than that. But, Mm -hmm. like, Stephen Crowell, shoot a few a game. Like, I don't have a problem with any of these guys shooting threes, especially when the – Rutgers is like, here, we'll leave you open. Like, shoot them. They took yeah. 36 threes. That's their most since November of 2016. That's a good stat. That was a good stat. I am pleasantly surprised. That was a good one. <laughs> That's what I'm here for, man. So, and I posted this on our page. It's a thing where it's unfortunate the Badgers lost. They lost by yeah. one point. But we do need to recognize Jordan Davis and Kamari McGee. They combined for 23 points. Combined, they were 6 of 12 on three-pointers. That's pretty good. That's 23 bench points. How many times had the Badgers lost games for want of bench points? Yeah, lack thereof. I will say that McGee has been pretty damn good for the last few games. That's why we got the big three McGee. Graphic going on. That's who's starting off our quest for madness is Big Three McGee. I think he's found his his role. I think he's feeling a lot more comfortable. I think he's up to game speed, and he's also using his speed to his advantage. So I love that's that. a good point. That's a really good point. I like that. All right. So next for the Badgers, we've kind of mentioned it. Quest for Madness starts tonight. They play Iowa. Start at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Game. Well, we're not gonna have to go to work tomorrow anyway. So what does it matter? I know I'm, I've been kind of planning on not having to, but we'll see if it keeps snowing for like 24 hours straight. Like I'm not fucking going anywhere tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but then they play Sunday at Michigan. I'd love to beat Hunter Dickinson in Michigan and Jawan Howard twice in the same season. Oh. Um, already got him once. So, you know, Hunter Dickinson's trying to rile up the Wisconsin crowd just to score three points in the second half. I think the basketball gods have us, dude. I think they have us. I really do. I'm, I I think I agree with you because, like, the, the whole scumbag comment thing, like, that's so unnecessary. Like, way out of left field, too. Like, Right? How are like, we you the can, scumbags? You hit us. Right. Like, and, like, the thing of it is, is, like, sure, like, you can, you know, call it rivalry or whatever, but just to, to throw out a word like scumbags, like, okay, like, we were rivals. Now you're just a dick. Yeah, now you look like an idiot. If he goes 0-2 against us, and after calling us scumbags, dude, I'm telling you, that's a bad look. That's a bad look. That's <laughs> arguably worse than John Morant saying, I'm fine in the West, and then losing eight of your next nine games in the Western Conference. And you know, I don't want to hit too hard on the Grizzlies, but now that they talk so much trash and they call themselves a dynasty and Jaws out here talking out of pocket – Everybody's kind of going for him, man. People kind of don't like him already. Like, bro, you got to earn that status, man. You got to earn that right? type of respect. Like, the yeah, you don't get like, to self declare it. 
the, the Warriors earned that over a long period of time since 2014, 2015, you know, and 13, 14, when they were building up to that moment. And then right. they won a couple championships. Like they built up to that dynasty name. They right. just started saying that last year. And for the yeah. Grizzlies to be like, oh, we're a dynasty. I'm just kind of like, pause. It's man. weird. <laughs> yeah, chill out, <laughs> dude. <laughs> you just got in the damn league. How the hell are you in a dynasty already? Right. So, I mean, when it comes to the Badgers, like you said, let's just calm down, support them for a couple weeks. Whatever happens, happens. It's not going to hurt us to support them for a couple more weeks and and start the quest for madness. I agree. And if you want to complain, you'll have the whole offseason to do so. Agreed. Anything else you want to say about the Badgers? Beat Iowa. I just kind of hate Iowa for no random reason, but just kind of just hate yeah. Iowa. I don't know. Curtis moved there because it's, I don't know, for some reason. He's going to be moving away from there pretty soon. Is he? Yeah, he might be going to Florida. Breaking news. Oh. Might be getting a job there. So. Yeah, he looks like a guy that would live in Florida, too. Dude, does he not? <laughs> does he not, dude? Oh, shit. I don't know. I'm not trying to roast my brother because I love him. I love you, Do brother. it. Um, Do it. I don't know if it's the, the tattoo of the last name across the shoulders or if it's just the, the way that he, like, looks in jorts or if it's, like, the, the reason, like, he always wears button-ups with, like <laughs> – does he not? Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. Bro, he's going to have a pair of pink shorts within the first three days that he lives there. But dude, he already owns them. I don't even know what he owns, but he already owns them, and he already has a shirt that matches. I promise you. Curtis has always been in tune with fashion. Oh, my God. I'm just like, give me a gray hoodie. Give me a black hoodie. I'm going to throw some goddamn slacks on and some shoes. They probably don't match the slacks. I don't care, but it's happening. Curtis needs to copy Brett, and he needs to get the established 1993 tattoo as well. Oh, no. (laughs) Those two are just – they could be away from each other for 10 years, and they'll just find each other somehow, and they'll still be best friends. (laughs) <laughs> their their souls are our best friends. That's all I know about that. Oh man, yeah. Don't mind us taking taking sixty seconds in the middle of the show to roast the shit out of two of our friends. <laughs> Still love you guys, but <laughs> I mean, they could go in on us. Now, I do not want Brett to roast me because he's actually really good at that. So that's why I'm not going in on Brett. I'm gonna leave him alone. <laughs> I'll get him back for you. <laughs> you you get him. All right. So let's switch to the Bucks. Um, Bucks and Bulls. Giannis Antetokounmpo did leave this game with a wrist injury. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit when we talk about what's next for the Bucks. But he was in the game long enough to become number one in franchise history in assists. Giannis passed oh. Paul Pressey. He is now officially number one in points, re, uh, points, assists, and blocks in Milwaukee Bucks history. So in my mind, he already was. But Giannis is the best Buck of all time. I think we're we're past that being the discussion point but what stood out to you in this game between the bucks and the bulls well just want to point out they scored 112 for win number 12 in a row i thought that was kind of weird but i like interesting um brooke lopez was freaking dominating and you know we pointed out a few weeks ago on the show but it's getting ridiculous that this man is going into his bag and just dribbling taking people off the dribble man i'm just like Brooke, you got to chill, dog. Like, you hella underrated now. He is really, really underrated now. I saw somebody drop 30 and block four shots in the same game. Bro, like, that's what I was saying. I said this to somebody on Twitter. 
Like Brooke Lopez is literally seven feet tall, mm -hmm. two hundred eighty-two pounds. Yep. He's. Have you seen the contested shot numbers lately? No, I have not. He's all right. So he's played fifty-seven games, right? Yes. Ivica Zubats has played fifty-nine games. Oh no. Brooke Lopez has contested two hundred and ninety-two more shots than Ivica Zubats. That is nuts. Brooke Lopez has contested almost 1,000 shots in 57 games. Holy shit. Holy he has almost shit. a 300 contested shot lead on second place, Ivica Zubats. And, you know, they were talking during the All-Star game about Jaron Jackson Jr., and I think it was Reggie Miller, and that guy hates the Bucks for some reason. At least it feels that way. Because he played in the Central Division his whole career. I get it, but – he was talking about Jaron Jackson Jr. and they were talking about him being up for defensive player of the year. And he's like, Oh, I think he's gonna win it. I'm thinking, like, bro, did you not see the reports that the the Grizzlies like statistician at home is like freaking upping his numbers? I saw somebody debunk that. And but even still, like like Jaron Jackson Jr. missed a bunch of time. Brooke Lopez has missed one game. Yeah. The entire season. Yep, he's missed one game. He's been rock solid. You that know, contested shot thing is is a big deal for me. That that is nuts. And he's still what is he still second or is he third now? He's either second or third in blocks per game. Yeah. So you add that it's in. Not by a lot either. Like I said, he's a guy that can drop thirty. He he's in his thirties and he, his game is still growing, which is crazy. He used to be just a back to the basket guy, and they talk about this all the time. So I'm not gonna mm -hmm. like get redundant on you. But then he stretched his game out to the three point line, and now he's going from. Back to the basket to the three-point line to from the three-point line to the basket. Like he's literally evolving. Vucevic <laughs> had no answer for him. Like Vucevic no. was going early. Like I think he started the game like five-nothing. And then Brooke just was like, nah. <laughs> Dude, Brooke was talking shit too. He was talking shit. And I was laughing my ass off. And I'm gonna bring you to my favorite part of the game. First of all, Javon Carter. Holy shit, man. When this guy gets hot, this guy gets hot. 22-6-6 six and six from your backup point guard, right? And in a game that Drew played. <laughs> in a, yeah, in a game that Drew played. Very good point. And I love that he had a couple crazy fadeaway jumpers late in the in the fourth quarter, or in the third and the fourth quarter. And they had a waste of timeout to cool off our backup point guard, dude. I was like, there is no goddamn way they called a timeout to cool off our backup point guard. <laughs> Like, we are just <laughs> shitting on them, straight up. He was 9 of 13, 4 of 5 from deep. Brooke Lopez, 13 Damn. of 18, 3 of 6 from deep. He had plus 28, Brooke Lopez, plus 23 for Javon Carter. Damn. And the last thing I'm going to talk about real quick, <laughs> A.J. Green. So, mm. with a shooter, they say you got the green light, right? Yep. And when you play 2K and you get a green, they say triple green bean. He is both of those things. And a real human being. You know what he's got? What's that? I the Bucks, in my opinion, haven't had a guy since probably probably Kyle Corver mm -hmm. that has the ultra green light. Oh, hundred percent. Like basically, anytime you touch the ball, like shoot it. Yeah, you can shoot it. You can, yeah. So over the last couple of years, we've we drafted Mamu, and obviously this year we drafted AJ Green and we drafted Marjan. Right. Yep. I think those are building blocks, in my opinion, 
Uh, Marjan, his potential, his he could turn into a really, really special player. I, 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 like, I like Marjan a lot. AJ Green is a great shooter, but the thing that people don't give him credit for is he's not afraid to mix it up down low, and he's not a small guy either. He can go down there and get some goddamn rebounds. I got he, it in my notes. He was holding his own down there, boxing people out, pushing people around. I was, I was like on top of him going five for seven from deep, which was awesome. He mm-hmm. was down there pushing around guys, and I was like. He got back-to-back stops. The yeah. first one, the first one was on Zach Levine. Think about he it. He forced Zach, Zach Levine into a fadeaway jump shot that he hit off the back of the rim. The second stop was on Patrick Williams. Bro's a power forward. That's what I'm saying, dude. He's not afraid to throw it around. If Mamu develops even a little bit of dog in him on defense, those three could turn into, like, real-life, like, Rotation the next generation. Yeah, next generation rotation and starters, like high-level starters for this Milwaukee Bucks team. Yeah, People need to give credit to the, the Bucks staff. John Horst. Yeah. For, for finding those people. That's all I'm going to say about that. I, I agree with you a lot. And the Bucks have two open roster spots, I believe. And, you know, Will Barton is a free agent. He's basically the yeah. one guy that I've been keeping an eye on for buyouts. But, yeah. Um, if the Bucks don't sign anybody from buyouts, which I don't think they necessarily need to, um, I could easily see AJ Green and Sandro Mamukilashvili having their contracts upgraded from two-way to full NBA guaranteed contracts. I agree. I hope it happens, honestly. Um, Mamu, the lights might be a little bit too bright yet. He's getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to him. He played in the, the G League uh, All-Star game this, this weekend. But AJ Green, he comes in, man, and it really doesn't look like he, the lights are too bright for him. He literally just comes in, he balls, he shoots some threes, he grabs some rebounds, and he's just like, all right, I guess I'll go sit on the bench again. Like, he's cool, man. He looks ready. I'm ready for him, and if he keeps hitting threes, I might have to get a green, green jersey because that's just – I'm excited because I got to see him at a, at a herd game a few weeks ago, so that was sweet. Yeah, that's. did you post that on the page? I don't think I posted it on the page. I posted it on Twitter, I think, on my Twitter. You should be you should post it on the page so the people can see. They they don't believe how tall we are, man. I know, right? To see that I'm an inch taller than AJ Green, you're the same height as him. <laughs> right? They they don't imagine if you could shoot like AJ Green at your oh height. Well, I'd be rich for one. <laughs> You'd be tearing up the YMCA, that's for sure. Hell yeah, it would. <laughs> be Kurt Thomas with a three pointer. I got to get those shorts back, man. <laughs> All right, so. For me, we, we kind of mentioned the start with Brooke Lopez. Um, we didn't mention that Pat Connaughton and Chris Middleton didn't play. I did mention that Giannis left early. Uh, you mentioned Javon Carter shooting well. He started the game two for two behind the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Marjan Beauchamp with the guys injured, got some early playing time. He made, and I want to give Marjan credit for this because this is part of what um, cost him some playing time when Chris Middleton got healthy, was needing to improve at his defensive positioning. And in this game, he made a perfect rotation where there was a rotation out to the three-point line. Marjan was the next guy to fill in in the restricted circle, and he caught up and he stood tall in front of Nikola Vucevic and forced a kick out for a three. I don't remember who it was that made the three, but the three went in. But Marjan didn't get credit for, for getting that defensive positioning to force Nikola Vucevic out of a wide-open jump hook right outside the restricted circle to force him to kick the ball out for a three-pointer. Yep. 
That's the stuff that's going to earn Marjan Bochamp more playing time. That's the kind of thing that could say, hey, you know, Wesley Matthews, we really appreciate everything you've done for this team and helping us win a second championship in three years. But we're ready, we're ready to move on to Marjan being one of our defensive specialists. I'm with that. And he can run the fucking floor, dude, and finish. Yes. So I like that ability as well. And there was a possession, too, where Marjan Bochamp got an offensive rebound and the play ended in a Javon Carter three-pointer. So he's helping getting some second-chance points, too. So he only scored two points in this game, but he did also have four rebounds. He had an assist. He had a steal. He had a block. And those improvements on the defensive rotations really stood out to me. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to give him credit for that. Um, I agree. You mentioned this. We were talking about it, that Mamu is improving on his rebounding positioning. Yes. And it's helping him on the offensive end. And it was cool because Mamu got an offensive rebound and the play ended in an A.J. Green three-pointer. So we got a little two-way yeah. player action there between an offensive rebound and a kickout for a three. So that was that was cool. Brooke Lopez, first quarter, 15 points in two blocks. Jesus Christ. Javon Carter had 11 in the first quarter. Yeah, he did. So just, I mean... Chicago had no answer for those two. Yeah, Javon had Second 11 half. in the first and 11 yeah. in the fourth. <laughs> yeah. Second half, got a little bit of Brooke Lopez and Mamu on the floor at the same time. Yep. That, to me, was interesting. They're, they're looking to maybe work Mamu in at power forward a little bit is, is something interesting, too. Could you imagine a lineup of, say, Drew, Chris, Giannis, Mamu, and Brooke Lopez. Hmm. It's if essentially Mamu, the same thing, but swapping in Mamu for Bobby Portis. He's about an if, if Mamu was a little bit more consistent with his three-point shot, yeah. that could be dangerous. Just something to think about for the future. Yes, sir. Um, I mentioned the two plays that A.J. Green got the stops on. Javon Carter, he wasn't scoring in the third quarter, like you said, but he was distributing really well in the third quarter. Um yes. The Bucks really got something from everybody that checked into the game. And, you know, the Bucks opened the game up in the fourth quarter. They went on a 12-0 run in the fourth quarter. Seven of them were scored by Javon Carter. Actually, the, the, the run grew to 14 to nothing. The 112-100 final was a little bit closer than the game actually indicated. Like, it wasn't really that close. It didn't the last that. three minutes of the game, I think the Bucks were the Bucks were up like 22 at one point like the game just got closer at the end because the bucks pretty much just like mailed it in yeah let, let the bulls wave the white flag um so here's here's the point that i wanted to make about bucks getting something from everybody that checked into the game so mm-hmm. brooke lopez 33 points seven rebounds four blocks javon carter the 22 six rebounds six assists and I, like i said Drew Holiday played this game. So it's not like Javon Carter started this game at point guard and then dropped 22, six and six. He dropped 22, six and six in a game that Drew Holiday was playing in. Right. Drew Holiday himself, 15 points, six rebounds, nine assists. Grayson Allen had 10 points. AJ Green had 15 points. He was five of seven on threes. Wesley Matthews had five points and three rebounds. Joe Ingles had five points and seven rebounds. Mamu had two points, five rebounds, a steal, and two blocks. And Marjan Bochamp had two points, four rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block. Everybody that played in this game gave something. Yeah, 
This I miss watching the Bucks, dude. It's been so long. I know. We still gotta wait two more days. I know. I can't wait. <laughs> so looking ahead, the Bucks have Friday against Miami, Sunday against Phoenix, which I will be there. Lily gets to do the starting lineup, so she's she's excited for that because we get to go ahead of time and watch warm-ups and stuff. So definitely gonna be nice. posting some pictures while I'm at that. Very nice. And then Tuesday they play at Brooklyn. Um, I'm curious to know your record prediction here. I have a thought on it because the the long-term prognosis on Giannis is positive. He's not going to miss extended time. He's basically got like a grade what – they, what did they say? A grade two wrist sprain or something like that is what they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, so he might miss a couple games, but he's not going to miss weeks of time. Um we probably won't know until tomorrow at the very earliest, probably Friday, on Bobby Portis, Chris Middleton, Pat Connaughton, Jay Crowder, if any of those guys are going to play on Friday. So for me, I'm going to say a two-in-one week. I'm going to say they lose on Friday to Miami. It might be a little bit rusty um, and potentially missing some guys. So I'm going to say two-in-one, they lose to Miami, and then they beat Phoenix and Brooklyn. Let me say it. Oh. This hurts. I almost want to say one and two. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna say two and one. I could see I could see them beating Phoenix. Phoenix has like literally zero depth. Like yeah. they gave all their depth into the Kevin Durant pop. Right. And he's not even guaranteed to be playing on Sunday. Right, right. Um, I could see us beating Phoenix and I could see us beating Brooklyn. So I'll say I'll say two and one. I think they probably lose to Miami as well. Um, unless Unless Javon Carter and Brooke Lopez just stay hot and we're hitting a bunch of three pointers, hit like twenty two or twenty three three pointers or something like that, and shoot a an efficient percent and rebound the ball well, there's ways they can win all three. But I'll say two and one. Right, and I agree with that too. And like I said, we're gonna be waiting until probably Friday before we get news on who's healthy, who's gonna play, who's not, um, whether or not Jay Crowder is gonna be up to speed. Um, so we'll probably have to wait until tomorrow to get you, that information. You know, Jay wants to play against the Suns. You know that. Oh yeah. He wants. He wants to. He wants to go in there in, in Milwaukee, and he wants to shut down Devin Booker and shut down that whole coaching staff and be like, "This is why y'all should have paid me." You know, he, he should. I mean, the starter. Yeah. He he he's gonna he's gonna want to play. So I could see him playing that game. I could see Middleton playing in that game as well. Pat Connaughton. Bobby is the one that I man, I was just talking to Isaac about this in a group chat. I was like, I miss watching Bobby, man. Mm-hmm. Like you just feel his energy through the TV screen, man. I miss like seeing Bobby go up and collect the rebound, and then I miss seeing him get the ball in the high post and do his face up. Yeah. And then and then you get the Bobby jump shot. Right, bro. And then he's he's talking shit the whole way down. Like that's that's the best. So let me ask you something real quick. I, I can I bring up what I wanted to talk about with the NBA? Yeah. What up, Simon? What up, Tim? So I wanted to bring this up because I saw a quote from DeMar DeRozan today talking about MVP. Mm -hmm. And he talked about uh, a reporter asked him, he said, how many games should you play to win MVP? He said 82. He said minimum of 78. First of all, I'm not going to like tear this whole thing apart because I agree that players should be playing more and the rest thing should kind of go away. And the player that really, really killed this 
and nobody's going to mention it because nobody ever talks about this guy for some reason, is Kawhi Leonard. It's Kawhi Leonard. Yep. The guy literally is sitting like 30, 30, 35, 36 games. And then people are like, yeah, he's still top five. I'm thinking like, In what fucking world, dude? He doesn't play. Yeah. And then people are calling me crazy. I'm like, yeah, when he plays, when, when, the best ability is available, is. right? So you can't control, like, injuries, right? So, like, you know, right. it's like – he, he, you know, he's going for a block. It's just an effort play. He ends up holding yep. himself up. And say he misses five games from that. Now yep. he's guaranteed not to play 78 games. Mathematically, he's guaranteed not to play 78 games. You're saying so that you're, he shouldn't win MVP because yeah. of that? So your question I'm guessing is going to be how many games? No, I'm going to get there. Okay. I'm going to talk about – I'm going to talk about load management. And okay. my stance on it is a little bit weird because – and some points I can I can understand it, and some mm-hmm. points like I get frustrated by it because I agree yeah. with what Anthony Edwards said a little bit. Kobe said it too. Talked about, um, you know, it, you know, and I, I'm one of those people. Like I yeah. work really, really fucking hard. I, I pay my bills. I take care of my kids, and I try to save up enough money for us to go to like a couple of Brewers games, maybe yeah. a Bucks game, maybe a, a Packer game. Like it, it's hard for me to like save up for that stuff. With you're, you're basically doing like one of each a year. Yeah, because because I have a son and he likes sports so yep. i want to experience that stuff with him as well yep. so if i go to one bucks game and Giannis isn't playing yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be let down but also i'm gonna look at the situation that we're in right right and i'm gonna i'm gonna say this when people started romanticizing about jordan six and oh in the finals and that's all people grow up knowing is yeah. it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season you can win 12 mvps you can win four defensive player of the years. If you don't go to the goddamn finals and win the whole freaking thing, it doesn't doesn't matter what you did. Yep. So when people started romanticizing about the championship, the championship, the championship, that ruined sports. Nick Wright went on a rant pretty similar to the one that you just gave. And it was because like we as as fans and as you know sports enjoyers decided that championships were the only thing that mattered in basketball. It's just it, – and people do it with the Packers too. They do it with Rodgers. Like, oh, right. Brady has seven rings. It's like, dude, I'm enjoying watching him throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns against the Bears. That's fucking awesome to me. I had a right. great Sunday that Sunday, you know? Well, and that's the thing is like Brady is quite the exception when it comes to players. Right. Like – what is what is it? Joe Montana has four. Yep. So like, you know, that's I'll I'll hear an argument for Joe Montana over Aaron Rodgers all the time. But like for people to say that Rodgers isn't top five because he has one ring. Or for people to say I'm trying to think of a basketball player example. But you know, most of the guys in the top ten have multiple rings, if not all of them have multiple rings. Right. And that's the situation that we're in where it's going to take, you know, everybody's saying for guys to pass other guys up is that he needs to win two more MVPs and three more rings to pass this guy. Because it's going to happen with Giannis and Tim Duncan inevitably. Like Giannis is going to do enough where you look at his career next to Tim Duncan's and people are going to say Tim Duncan's still better, even though Giannis won way more MVPs, way more defensive player of the years, but Duncan has five rings and Giannis only has three. That's going to be the discussion. And... I just want all sports 
like you can enjoy sports without winning the championship. And we've had this discussion before and yes. I wanted to kind of revisit it a little bit, but it's like, that is ridiculous. So you're telling me I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch 82 Milwaukee Bucks regular season games. I'm going to see all the step back jumpers from Drew Holiday. I'm going to see all the blocks from Brooke Lopez. I'm going to see all the crossovers, zero step dunks from Giannis. And if we don't go win the damn title, I'm not allowed to enjoy that. Come on, man. That's that's just stupid. That's playing out stupid. Like, I'm not going to say anything nice. And, that's stupid. And it sounds cheesy to say it, but, like, we we emphasize this during the Packers season. Me, you, Simon, and Bryant of enjoying the journey. That was one of my positive takeaways when the Packers season was over. It was like, hey, do you remember how excited we all were on Christmas Day when the Packers beat the Dolphins after being down 20 to 10? Dude, that was a fantastic Christmas Christmas morning. Fantastic. The, fa- the fact that the Packers didn't make the playoffs cannot take away the fun that we had that day. <laughs> you bastard. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> cheesy Packers. I didn't even, yep. It well played, Simon. You're not a dad yet, but we'll make you one. <laughs> <laughs> Honorary dad joke from Simon. That was Either well that or the, or the two hours of sunlight you're about to get in Alaska will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's nothing else to do. Simon came back with six kids. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, yeah, and like you said, there's there's no point in not enjoying the journey just because the season doesn't end in a championship. And I know I've framed it this way, that every season, 29 NBA teams don't win championships. 29 Major League Baseball teams don't win championships. 31 NFL teams don't win championships. You can't tell me that we're not all going to be counting down when spring training starts for baseball season to get here and football season to get here and basketball season to get here because we enjoy it. So you can't tell me that you're not excited for the season to start and that you're only going to turn in for the playoffs. So I saw so part of the reason that I wanted to say this, because I saw a Bears fan. Yeah, that you already know, low IQ. So he uh, he was talking about the Packers. He was like, oh, the Packers suck, blah, blah, blah. And somebody was like, well, we beat you twice, so you can't really say we suck. And then he was like, well, you didn't make the playoffs. And then I was just like, hold on, pause real quick. You gave us shit for making the playoffs, not winning the title. Now you're giving us shit for not making the playoffs. It's like, what argument are you going to choose? So I commented on there and I said, well, we got just as many rings as the Eagles this year and they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. So if your yeah. argument is is success and winning rings, well, guess what? We were just as successful as the goddamn Philadelphia Eagles. So take yeah. that and shove it up your stupid-ass argument. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's the thing. Like, it doesn't always have to be, you know, like we enjoy giving Bears fans shit because it's the rivalry. But at the end of the day, it's not even – it's not even that we want to say like Bears fans shouldn't enjoy football because their team always sucks. But what I would suggest is like, like asking a Bears fan, did you have any fun during this NFL season? I bet you did. Well, just because you didn't win a championship doesn't mean you can't have fun watching sports. Since 90% of their time was devoted to defending Justin Fields and his inability to read a defense or throw a football properly. And <laughs> it's so funny to me. They find like the three throws that he made. And like he, he, he made some throws, right? They find like the three throws he made in that game. And I'm like, dude, he literally threw the ball like 32 times. And you're showing me three fucking attempts. 
Are you serious right now? It's like it's dude, just, just stop, dude. Yeah, we gotta. I guess what it boils down to is normalize having fun during the regular season. Yeah, we're getting off track here because the Bears suck. But, yeah, anyways, the Bears suck, and we're going to talk about the Brewers, and the Brewers are good. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. So last thing on the Bucks, real quick is they did sign Myers Leonard to a 10-day contract. Oh, yes. So a lot of people freaking out because the only thing they remember is the bad thing that he said and basically didn't catch up on anything that he's done in the last two years. Shocker. Yeah, which, like, you can go to his Twitter account and he's basically become an ally of the people that he slurred against. So it's I always want people, you know, this is the this is the point where I want to make the correlation between, you know, us the working folk and the the superstars that we watch on television. Yeah. Um when when you make a mistake, you have to learn from it, right? And right. the consequences that you deal with are not as harsh as, as an NBA player, NFL, whatever. Right. So if you're allowed to make a mistake, they're human. We're all humans. Right. This guy just grew to be seven feet tall and be able to dunk a basketball and dribble and, and all that other shit, right? right? So if he if you can make a mistake, they can make mistakes. People deserve a second chance. That's how that's honestly how I feel about it. I give everybody a second chance. I've been done dirty plenty of times in my life, but let's just give him a second chance, see if he fits in. The Milwaukee Bucks have a great culture. So he might yes. just come right in, fit right in, grab a lot of rebounds, you know, be dancing on the sidelines, and we'll be good to go. And if it doesn't work out, 10 days. He's gone. And he signs with the Lakers or Isaac's other favorite team, the Clippers. <laughs> um, Dude, everybody's giving shit for that now. And I saw I saw one person say it on our page, and I agree with it that we forgave Josh Hader for doing something similar. Yeah, 100%. So I mean it's really like the the work that he's done is out there. So you can go and find that Myers Leonard has gone and, and worked in Jewish communities and things and done programs with Jewish people and has you know, become an ally of, of their people. So I'm really not going to hold any ill will towards Myers Leonard or for John Horace for signing him. Right. I agree. Okay. All right. Hi, Bill. What's up, Bill? Bill, Bill caught on. So we got, we got Bill and Tim said the bears say their enjoyment to seeing the Packers struggle. That is true. And that's to me, that's, that's something that they've learned from Vikings fans. And it's Vikings fans that have have instilled that, okay, now you made the playoffs and we didn't, so we're going to cheer for you to lose in the playoffs. Like that's, to me, that's Viking behavior. I agree. So you, got, you ready right. to switch gears here? I was just going to ask, are you ready to, to talk baseball? I'm ready, man. Um, so – Welcome to the Milwaukee Brewers 2023 season primer. I have to say, I said this to Tyler earlier, there is nothing more Wisconsin than talking about Brewers baseball in warmer weather on a day that we have a freaking like blizzard-like symptoms, like weather outside. It's like, what are we doing right now? What we're doing is we're cheering for that sunshine. Because we're projected to get, I think it's like, what, 9 to 11 or 9 to 12 or something like that, about 10 inches of snow. So Too much. Um, yeah, a lot of snow, um, a nauseating amount of snow. Um, you have to just – you honestly have to go outside every, like, two hours and shovel to stay ahead of it. Because I've shoveled gonna, four times today. My back hurts. Yeah, you're, you're not going to want to <laughs> shovel, you know, all of that at one time because that's just that's just stupid. So you got to work smarter, not harder. Um 
I don't know if you saw my post on my personal page. You're talking about back pain, so it reminded me of it. It said, my warmer, my seat warmers, I'm at the age now, where my seat warmers are to help with my back pain and not to warm my tush. And I 100% stand by that because I am 30 years old. And my back, you know, I went from 29 to 30. And it's like, all of a sudden, my body was like, here's knee pain. Here's some back pain. You're going to wake up with neck pain because you slept like an idiot last night. And I'm just like, what is going on right now? You know what's fun is growing up part Great Dane and having all that stuff since I was like 16. That's fair. Um, I had I had the knee pain in my left leg because I broke that leg. But I never had the back pain like this. I never woke up with a kink in my neck. I literally woke up like a month ago and I was just like, what is happening right now? I can't turn my neck. <laughs> but, you know, snowblowers are cheaper than doctor bills. That's a good point. I don't go to the doctor. I just tough it out like a, like a dumb idiot. And then I probably heard something else. So with that being said, we have a lot on board for you guys. We're going to talk about departures, additions. We're going to pick best pitcher. Uh, We're going to pick an underrated performer. We're going to pick best position player. We're also going to give you guys a starting lineup and batting order. And we're going to make some bold predictions along with a record prediction. So a lot of stuff happening. Uh, Tyler... Uh, you have more departures and additions written down. I mean, we talked about this, so yes. why don't you start us with departures? Uh, then we can discuss, uh, discuss that. All right. So <clears throat> key departures, honestly, the one I think that hurts the most because of how friendly he was to, you know, endearing to the fan base is Brent Suter. Like that might just be yeah. Bill. Tim said, Bill, they're, Young and just need to toughen up a little bit. All right. Yeah, that's whatever. Yeah. Just okay. tough love. Well, cool. yeah. Whatever. <clears throat> Fuck my back, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> key departures. Uh, Brent Suter is a tough one to lose just because he's such a fun player to have on yeah. the team. But when it you know what it comes down to is you can't keep guys just because they're fun to have around. I agree. Um, so key departures. Hunter Renfro, who I said was probably a trade candidate when he was coming in, was that he yep. could very well be traded the next year, and he was. Colton Wong traded. Um, Omar Narvaez was a free agent. Jace Peterson was a free agent. Andrew McCutcheon was a free agent. Trevor Gott was a free agent. Taylor Rogers was a free agent. Brad Boxberger was a free agent. And John Del Gustave was also a, uh, granted free agency. Um, to me, honestly – It's a little bit of a bummer, but losing Boxberger, I think, was the one that kind of bummed me out the most. Mm -hmm. Um, Isaac said the Angels will enjoy Hunter Renfro. Yeah, I mean, it's another guy that can give you guys 25 home runs on your way to an 82-82 and season and missing the playoffs again and wasting Mike Trout and Shohei Otani's careers. So you got that one. Um, Jesus. (laughs) Isaac, we like you, I promise. Jesus yeah, you could have traded us Mike Trout for for Hunter Renfro. That would have been wow. cool. Would have loved Mike Trout, right? Um. <laughs> anyways, now that I'm done roasting Isaac and his love of the Angels and Los Angeles Clippers, <laughs> <laughs> Brewers won't make it that far. Brewers will win more games than the Angels this year. I would bet money on that. I think they'll both be similar, but I think the Brewers will win a little bit more. All right, so. Departures, what what stands out to you in the departures? Uh, well, Omar, I'm okay with. I did become a fan of Jace Peterson. I think he was a really good utility player, kind of played everywhere. Yeah. Um, 
I have good memories of Boxberger, bad memories of Boxberger, but it happens. He was one of our um, most reliable pitchers over the last three seasons. He was. He was. And I'll never forget the the nuts he had on July 4th against the Cubs, man. I was yeah. like, wow. Um, Colton Wong loved his swag, loved his defense for, for the most part. His bat was not a, not as consistent as we thought it was going to be. Um, he was all right. But um, Hunter Renfro, like straight up, that's the answer for me. I love Brett Suter. Don't get me wrong, Brett Suter. Yeah. But, um, he, I more loved him, like you said, because of his off the field stuff. He was just hilarious, and that stuff does matter. I'm not trying to just overlook that, right? But right. You know, I I loved Hunter Renfro. He became my boy. Like he was mashing. He had the hair flow. Like he just he looked like a baseball player that belonged in a Brewers uniform. You're now, gonna be a Joey Weimer fan. I know you are. I know. You keep telling me, and I'm I'm a big Joey guy now. I'm like, all right, Tyler Baby Renfro. Renfro. We might as well. We can call him that if you want. We can call him Baby Renfro if you want. I'm with that. As as long as he has the hair flow and he's mashing homers, like I am 100% on board. But Hunter Renfro is the one that I'm going to miss the most. Um, I do have a little connection with Andrew McCutcheon. Uh, just some memories with my stepson on the video games. Nothing serious. But he was all right, I thought, as well. But didn't have the impact that he was supposed to have on this Brewers team. Kind of like Colton Wong. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, just a little bit too uppy downy in my opinion. But yeah. other than that, I mean, I think they did a good job replacing those guys though. In my I opinion. agree. <clears throat> and to me getting like, you know, Matt Arnold, people are soured on him a little bit because of the Corbin Burns situation, but they met, they cleared the air on it. They're both focused on the season mm-hmm. and like Matt Arnold, like he, he flexed some, some pretty good GM work. This offseason, the fact that he turned Asteri Ruiz into William Contreras, Joel Piams, and another relief pitcher who's going to be probably in double A this year. Like, we kept wondering, like, if Jackson Churio was going to be included in the deal or Sal Frelick was going to be included in the deal. And we find out that the only thing the Brewers were sending out was Asteri Ruiz. Yeah, that's. <laughs> with with already a loaded outfield, that's fine. You can yeah. live with that. So, key additions. What so, what key additions still out to you? Like, I definitely have a lot written down. Not all of these guys are going to be, you know, impact players. But what's the what's still out to you for key additions? I mean, I I have a couple people written down, but really only two that are really, really going to matter to me personally. And this doesn't mean that they're not going to matter during the season, but just my baseball eyes, I guess. Um, Jesse Winker, I think, is mm. absolutely have a bounce back season. 
His stats in the NL Central um, are disgusting. His stats at Miller Park are disgusting, and I know you're going to have them. So, Spoiler alert, Jesse Winker is in my bold predictions. All right. Spoiler alert, I also talk about Jesse Winker coming up here. Um, I really think he's going to have a really big bounce-back season. And then William Contreras, obviously. Um, catcher was a position that kind of like first base where it was like we'd have a guy for a year or two, they do really good, have one good year, one down year. Getting a guy that's under club control that's already been an all-star, and he's – what is he, 24, right? Something like that. I think he's 25. 24. 20, I think he's 24. I think you're right. I think he's still 24. But a guy that can mash, a guy that can, can catch, um, just getting that position, you know, just locked down for the next few years is a really, really great feeling. Um, so William Contreras and Jesse Winker are two of the other guys. The other guys I've written down are, are Jansen Junk. He's at he he throws some some decent stuff. Yep. He throws some um, junk, not in a he, bad way. He does. He throws some junk. And then I have Owen Miller written down because I think that he could have a little bit of an impact during the season. But uh who else do you have, buddy? I got a whole bunch of people, but before I give all of mine, I have three of these. I have three Brewers Heart keychains. So three people comment I Heart Brewers, and I will send you a Milwaukee Brewers Heart shaped keychain. So Isaac, hop two. all right additions i also have william Contreras listed on here jansen junk is on here as well joel piams um elvis paguero these are all guys i think could make appearances out of the bullpen um i don't think they're going to be you know huge impact players but you know their names still bear mentioning um blake perkins is another one he was signed on a one-year deal basically to add some Oh, well, Tyler got kicked. Uh, he's going in the middle of his uh, lineup here, unless you're giving him a you're giving away wind in a bottle. No, um, actually, Isaac, they only do that in Chicago. And me and Tyler, we actually just talked because I have a I have a stat. I'm just going to bring it up right now. The Brewers are 28 and 26 on opening days in their history, and they open up against the Cubs. So we're looking to. Add to that against the wind as well. Tyler got kicked for his rude comments towards me. I would not doubt it. He comes at you pretty hard, man. And last week I was like, Isaac said F you to me. And I'm like, bro, I stuck up for you. I don't know what that's all about, man. But um, yeah, I'll just I'll just keep going on about Jesse Winker here. Um, I you know, if you look at his his stats, I was actually listening to uh to the radio earlier this week when I was working. Didn't give a shit about it. Um, hey, buddy. Back. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. It's the weather, dude. The weather's going to kill us. That might be the weather. That's totally um, possible. I will hold on to my Jesse Winker, Winker stuff I was just going to go into to get you back into additions so you can get back All into right. that. So, I, yeah, I was on additions. Um, Tim wants a keychain, so we got that. Um, what's it being rude, Isaac? Nothing I said was rude. Truth. True. Um, anyways, so guys that I think could be in the bullpen, um, you did mention Jesse Winker, who is going to be part of my bold predictions. So stick around for that. Abraham Toro. He's a guy who could potentially fill in for the Brewers at second base. He was part of the Colton Wong trade. Wade Miley, who could be making some starts for the Brewers. Um, Alex Claudio, I think is a really underrated addition. He actually was a Brewers reliever. Uh, a couple of years ago, and he pitched pretty well for the Brewers. He's a kind of a submarine guy. Um, 
I think a really underrated move adding Alex Claudio. And the Brewers added just the other day, Justin Wilson. He's going to miss the first half of the season while he's recovering from Tommy John. But Matt Arnold did say he expects him to be an impact player in the second half of the season. And then he's got a club option for next year. He is already 35 years old, but he does have a career 341 ERA. So pretty solid ERA. And he's a left-handed pitcher, which Jake did say that he was concerned about some of the left-handed pitching depth in the bullpen for the Brewers. So adding a guy like Alex Claudio, a guy like Justin Wilson, could be under-the-radar moves that do actually make impact. Um, You did mention Owen Miller. I think he's going to be one of the primary backups to most of the infield. Um, But he is a Wisconsin native. Um, Owen Miller is from Wisconsin, so he gets to play for the hometown team. Mm -hmm. And then last one I have is Bryce Wilson. The Brewers acquired him from the Pittsburgh Pirates for cash, and they told him when he came to camp to prepare as if he's going to be a starting pitcher. Oh, shit. So they they told Bryce Wilson to come in, prepare to be a starter. So um, we are dealing with, unfortunately, um, Aaron Ashby and Jason Alexander are going to miss parts of the beginning of the season. Jason Alexander was transferred to the 60-day disabled list or injured list, sorry. And Aaron Ashby is going to be out likely until mid-May. They're working on Aaron Ashby. So Bryce Wilson could be making starts. Uh, Wade Miley could very well be making some starts. Uh, Bill said Miley seems to be excited to be back. I mean, he was fun to have when he was here. I would say the same for Gio Gonzalez. Like, I remember them fondly being here. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed having them. I'm excited to have them back uh, to see if he can make an impact. So that, and as far as injuries go, um, Tyrone Taylor is going to miss two weeks. So it's not going to affect the, the opening day roster or anything like that. So as we get into starting lineups, um, basically the only ones that are going to be out of starting lineups is Aaron Ashby and Jason Alexander, which we're only predicting like the opening day lineup. We're not predicting as far as, um, as far as like the whole starting rotation. Cause there's probably nine guys that are going to make start yeah. for the Brewers. Um, <laughs> But let's go to the starting lineup. Um, let's go. Let's go position by position. So, do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? You go first. Go first. I okay. want to see how. So I'm going to go. I'm just going to go in order of the field. Okay. Um, the ro- like the rotation. It's obviously going to start with Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns is going to be the opening day starter. But then I'm going to go catcher, first base, second base, all the way around. Yep. That's what yep. I'm going to do. It. And I'm going to do DH last. Brewer starting catcher. It's going to be William Contreras. Not a shock there. Not a shock with Rowdy Telez at first base. Second base, I'm going to say Luis Urias starts opening day at second base. Okay. Third base, I'm going to say Brian Anderson starts the season at third base. That's a guy we didn't mention in the additions, Mm -hmm. but I think he's going to start opening day at third base for the Brewers. He's got more experience than some of the other guys on the roster. Um, I think he's a little bit better of a player than Mike Brasso to be starting him at third base, to be starting your utility man on an opening day. So I'm going to go with Brian Anderson. That was one that I kind of had as a little bit of a out-of-left-field potential starter. Shortstop, Willie Adamas. Left field, Christian Yelich. Center field, Garrett Mitchell. Right field, I think it's going to be Tyrone Taylor. Um, I have a bold prediction when it comes to right field later on in the season. Um, The Brewers did also um, extend minor league deals to Luke Voigt. Mm-hmm. And Tyler Naquin, two potential underrated signings, one first base at Luke Voigt and Tyler Naquin, an outfielder. So some potentially 
a little more grizzled guys, but guys that have succeeded and hit some long balls in yes. the majors. So some potential depth there. But right field, I think it's going to be Tyrone Taylor to start opening day. And then DH, I'm going to say Jesse Winker. is going to be the Brewers opening day DH. So do you want to do the, the batting order after I say my after, – After you do your positions, because I want to go 1-1, one, 2-2, one, two, two, three, three, through the batting order, because I think that's going to be interesting okay. to see what we got. Okay. So I'll start. I also have William Contreras as catcher. Not shocking. I also think that Corbin Burns will be the starter. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick on your Brian Anderson thing, you know, because we don't have Brian Anderson calling a lot of games for us anymore because he's so busy at TNT now, which yeah. is awesome. I love that he's moving up in the world, but he was ours first. So I just want people to know that. If we get a Brian Anderson homer on a Brian Anderson call, that is going to be an amazing call. It's going to be Brian Anderson day. It's going to be Brian Anderson day. As long as it doesn't happen on May 22nd, because that's Willie Adamas day. <laughs> Very true. So so catch your eye, William Contreras. First base, Rowdy. Second base, I have Bryce Turang. He's going to be a starter, huh? I think it's possible. Um, I think it's possible. I have Luis Rios over at third base. So he could be be next to his best buddy at shortstop, Willie Adamas, right? Um, Left field, I have the same outfield as you. I have Kristen Yelich in left. I have Garrett Mitchell in center. And then I I think that Tyrone Taylor will also start in right field. Although I do feel like Sal Frelick is getting very, very close. Um, I feel like Joey Weimer is not as close, but he's right there as well. But I do like that you brought up the additions because I do think that uh, Voight is somebody that could definitely mash some baseballs. So if he can get back to where he was, that would be awesome. DH, I have Jesse Winker. Yeah, I don't think there's really any shock on Jesse Winker being DH. I think – no. I'm going to save it. I got a bold prediction with Jesse Winker. I'm, I'm going to save it. Okay. We're going to get there. Yes, sir. All right. This like I we have a little bit of knowledge of each other's batting orders, and I know they're going to be different because we know a little bit of each other's top threes here. I'm but writing yours down, so I'm ready. Number one, leading off, I have Christian Yelich. Like I'm, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Christian Yelich grew to be a very, very, very good leadoff hitter for the Brewers last year. Now I know you have your reasons for why. Never mind. I'm not going to steal your thunder. Yep, yep. That's fine. Um, for me, reasons being Christian Yelich's plate discipline improved, and he started getting on base a shit ton when they moved him into the leadoff position. So like I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I'm going to leave Christian Yelich as the leadoff hitter. Okay. Well, I have the kid that uh, got a little bit of experience towards the end of the season, and I love that he was in a lot of high-pressure situations. So him coming into this season will be – little bit more relaxed which will be good for him i uh i have garrett mitchell as my my lead off i like it i like it who do you have in your two hole buddy number two i have willie adamas i think that's pretty much his locked and loaded position um i think is locked into the number two spot um bill said he loves yelly's speed at leadoff bill you've you've been watching our show super consistently over the last I'd say probably like damn near six months, it feels like. So, Bill, I'm going to send you some Brewers buttons to get you ready for opening day and to thank you for watching our show. He also said So I have him written down as one of the iHeart Brewers as well. So I have Bill Bill and Tim written down. So, Um, my Tim's been like our OG follower. He followed us back when we were uh, broadcasting from the, the site who we do not name. The old clickbaits. But uh, 
Yeah. Um, thank you, Bill. I also have Willie Adams in my two hole as well. Like you said, it just feels right having Willie bat second. That's that seems to be where he thrives. Yep. Number three, I have William Contreras. I like him at that three spot. You get a couple guys ahead on base for him. We know he's got the power. So I think William Contreras at three with the threat of some of the bigger bats behind him uh, gives him that that Ryan Braun feel at the three hole just because, you know, you're – you don't want to pitch to the guy behind him, so you got to throw this guy some strikes. Yeah, so that's why I like William, uh, William Ad- or William Contreras. I almost said William Adamas because I said Willie Adamas. So we're gonna have Willie and then William batting back to back. But I have Willie Adamas in the three hole. Who do you have? I have Christian Yelich back in the three hole. Um, okay. I like that Adamas is ahead of him. I like the speed of Mitchell getting on base ahead of him. I like you know people are getting on on Yelich because of his contract and, you know, his stats been going down. But if you look at something that's positive, you could positively spin this. His batting average and all his numbers have been going up the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when I get to my four hitter, kind of what you just said right there, where you're, you don't want to pitch to this guy, you know, because he's a good contact hitter. He can hit these guys in. I think putting him in between Willie, Ad- Willie Adamas and my next guy, I think that'll be a good thing for him. So I have Christian Yelich in my three hole. Okay. Batting cleanup, I have Jesse Winker, and I'm going to elaborate on him a little bit more in the bold predictions, but I like Jesse Winker's power um, in the in the cleanup spot with potentially a bunch of guys on base for him. So I have Jesse Winker at the DH batting cleanup. So in my four spot, I have Yelich in between the two Willies, right? Okay. I have Willie, I have Yelly, and I have Willie. So I have right. William, William Contreras also uh, in my four spot. You know, he's a guy that can hit for power, hit for average, so – I like that. All right. Batting number five, I have Rowdy Telez. I really like him at that five spot. Um, you didn't mention this with Christian Yelich, but I think with Christian Yelich and Rowdy Telez, these are potentially two of the biggest guys, not only on the Brewers, but in all of baseball, that the shift rules are going to affect positively most in the uh, 2023 season is Rowdy Telez and Christian Yelich. Like I said, not just on the Brewers, but in all of baseball two of the potential biggest beneficiaries of the new shift rule. So I have Rowdy Telez batting fifth. And fifth is where I have Jesse Winker. Uh, my okay. DH, I put him at fifth. Like I said, I really think he's going to have a bounce back year. Um, you have your bold prediction, which will fit perfectly into why I have him in the five hole. The four, five, six, I think are going to have to be some maulers. So okay. I, have Je- I have Jesse Winker as the five. All right. Number six, I have Brian Anderson. That's where I have him. Um He's kind of just that that bridge guy, a guy who can you know kind of do kind of do everything for you. I think that's kind of the role the Brewers have in mind for Brian Anderson, um, and he's the guy that can give you you know he's not going to give you tons of home runs, but he can, and he can get on base for you a little bit ahead of some of the other guys that I have behind him. So I have Brian Anderson at six, kind of as the bridge guy between the middle and the back half of the lineup. So I have Rowdy Telez sixth. I said your four, five, six are going to have to be some mashers. So I have Jesse Winker, uh, Rowdy Telez, and then obviously uh, William Contreras at the four hole. So, I mean, putting Rowdy there at six, I think is a good spot for him. All righty. Number seven, I have Luis Urias. Um, he's a definitely a bounce back candidate yeah. for 2023. He had 23 home runs in 2021. He slowed down a little bit last year. A little bit of inconsistency, but I think he found – kind of a role as like a super utility guy that you can play every single day in a different position. 
mm-hmm. and and feel pretty good about him. And he's he's gonna get more consistent defensively, I think. And you know, I think with the Brewers transitioning from some guys like some Colton Wongs and Jace Petersons and more into like Abraham Toro and Bryce Terang, that Luis Urias really gives you some continuity. But um, I'm going to have Luis Urias batting seventh and potentially giving the Brewers some some pop in the bottom of the lineup. I also have Urias as my seventh guy. Um, I did put down he's a guy that can give you 20 home runs or a guy that can give you a bunch of strikeouts. So he, you're you're really getting the best of both worlds, I guess. Um, but Luis Urias is definitely the best of the bottom of the order, so that's why I have him as sure. a seventh hole hitter. Um, I have Tyrone Taylor eighth. Just because he's like, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but Tyrone Taylor, he's he's a pretty average baseball player. Um, he is in a similar position, I think, as Keston Hero, where he's kind of, you know, like this season, if he doesn't improve to a point where we can start him, you know, often, that uh, they might look for a change of scenery for him. So that's kind of how I'm feeling about Tyrone Taylor. But just because he's got the experience and they're, you know, they might not be ready to call up, like you said, the Frelix or the Weemers yet. Um, I have Tyrone Taylor batting eighth. I also have Taylor batting eighth. Uh, he's a guy that occasionally give you some pop, but he's just he doesn't have a good eye in the box, I guess. Not good enough. Um, if he can improve on that. Uh, bring down his strikeout rate a little bit. I think he can be a con- more consistent player. He's actually pretty decent on defense, I think, but the batting is what really kills him. All right. And to round out my batting order, I have Garrett Mitchell batting ninth. And I have this for a very specific reason. Mm-hmm. Because I don't remember, I don't know if you remember back to the Gene Segura days. There used to be some games where they would move the pitcher's spot into the eight hole yep. and have Gene Segura batting ninth, essentially giving you two leadoff hitters. So for me, if Garrett Mitchell's a guy, like he he kicked off the Brewers drafts, and I see a lot of people saying the Brewers need guys that can get on base. Their last three drafts have been nothing but guys that don't strike out like ever, and they just get on base all the time. That's like their last three drafts have been. That's Garrett Mitchell. That's Sal Frelick. That's Robert Moore. All of those guys that they've been drafting for position players have been low strikeout, high on base number guys. Garrett Mitchell is the first of that new wave of player. That's why they're going for the Jesse Winkers. He's a guy who's on a contract year, but if you have a bunch of guys coming up through your system that are going to get on base, you can fill in those boppers on one-year deals and have all your guys get on base and just have Chris Carter who comes in for one year and hits you 41 home runs. Yep. Like the Brewers had in the past. That's what Hunter Renfro came and did. Like That's what the Brewers are looking for from Jesse Winker. So Garrett Mitchell in the nine spot, essentially giving you two leadoff hitters, can put Garrett Mitchell and Christian Yelich on the bases at the same time with Willie Adamas, William Contreras, and Jesse Winker coming up behind them. That works for me. I love the idea of Garrett Mitchell and Christian Yelich on the bases at the same time. I mean, I like that, too. That's a lot of speed. We got to see it once last year, and I think it was William Adamas that hit, like, a double down the right field line and just seeing them both flying around. It's like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, dude, and that's when I was like, holy shit, Mitchell can freaking move, man. He, yeah, dude. He can move. The fact that he can stretch, like, routine singles into doubles just because people aren't paying attention yeah. and, like, a regular ground out to second base and he turned it into an infield single. He's fast, man. That literally that happened. That's a thing that happened. He like basically grounded out to second base 
and turned it into a single because of how fast he is. <laughs> That's nuts. Um, my nine hole, I have Bryce Terang just because he's uh, the least experienced of the bunch. I think throwing him in here. Um, not that having Garrett Mitchell, not that I'm thinking about it because I liked all your your talking that you did there. You kind of changed my mind a little bit, but yes. um, not that having Garrett Mitchell behind him scares anybody, but you know, just a, the, the threat of speed, I guess, will is what I will go with. But I just think because he's the least experienced guy left is why I put him in on there. All right. I mean, that's kind of how Garrett Mitchell works, but I do have, you know, more of a reason than just, you know, he's the youngest guy on the, on the roster and he's right. But, um, Bill said, no matter which way we go with the lineup, we're going to be stout and difficult matchup wise. And I agree with that. I mean, we're looking at catcher, looking at William Contreras, Victor Caratini, and Peyton Henry, who could have been in the additions. Um, he was formerly with the Brewers organization. The Brewers traded back for him. Um, first base, looking at Rowdy Telez, maybe Keston Hira, Owen Miller, and maybe the newly signed Luke Voigt if he makes the opening day roster. Second base, I'm I'm gonna say Luis Urias starts. I do think Bryce Durang makes the opening day roster, just not just not the starter at that position. And then Abraham Toro is also in the in the mix there. Third base, I'm looking at Brian Anderson, Luis Urias, who I think is gonna be the super utility guy, and Mike Brasso. Um, shortstop, again, you're looking at all the utility guys. You're looking at Willie Adamas, who's gonna start, and then Luis Urias, Mike Brasso, Bryce Durang can play some shortstop. Um, and then we mentioned all the outfielders and then Blake Perkins, Tyler Naquin, and then any potential prospects that come in, um, or if the Brewers just stick with the guys they have now, but let's get into, let's get into some pitchers. So I want to know, and I'm glad you asked this question before we started, you asked if we were doing only starting pitchers or if we were doing bullpen guys as well. And we didn't clarify it beforehand, so I know you have a starter, and I know I have a reliever, so I know we don't have the same guy. So, um, Brewers fans, if you're watching along with us, comment who you think is going to be the best pitcher for the Brewers season this year. And, Jake, give me yours. So, I know that this is going to be vanilla, but I'm going to add into it in my bold predictions. So, just hold your All thoughts, right. hold your negative thoughts. I am going to go with Corbin Burns, right? right. Um, Not mad at it. I think he's going to have a 16-5 and record. He's going to have 250 strikeouts. He's going to have a .92 whip and a .234 ERA. Those are very close to his, his his first Cy Young. I think he's going to win the Cy Young again if he puts up these numbers. Let's just say that right now. These are some nasty. He has numbers. 250 strikeouts and a .234 ERA, like, and 16 wins. Yeah, that's going to be pretty damn good. Um, I think uh, I'm going to hold my next thoughts, but I just I picked Corbin Burns, so. We'll go with that. I went with Devin Williams. All right. I, I think he's going to be the Brewers' best bullpen. pitcher. I was like, he probably went with Williams. I, I think he's – I personally, I think he's going to win reliever of the year. I think he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. Another four game? Oh, definitely. He, I would – if I had, if I was close to Vegas, like I'd be mashing money on Devin Williams being an all-star. I know, man. Um, Devin Williams in 2022 had the lowest barrel rate in the entire Major League Baseball. Um, Bill said Brandon Woodruff. I think that's a good one. Um, that's not bad. Burns. I mean, you can't go wrong with Corbin Burns, essentially. You can't go wrong with Brandon Woodruff either or Devin Williams. But so listen to this. Like Devin Williams, he's, he's nuts. 
Devin Williams had the lowest barrel rate in all of Major League Baseball last season. 0.9% of batted balls against Devin Williams were on the barrel. 0.9%. Less than 1% of all players that made contact against Devin Williams were on the barrel. And he still has the best changeup in the game. Listen, just listen to this stuff here. His batting average versus his changeup is 185. Oh, man. Listen to this. Batting average against his fastball, because people are afraid of his changeup, is .090. What? <laughs> listen, listen to this. Whiff percentage. Against his fastball, 34.9%. Essentially, 35% of fastballs that he's throwing, guys are swinging and missing. That's over a third. Change up, it's 439 43.9% <laughs> of his change up that he throws are swings and misses. Jesus. Wow. You ready? Like, you, like, literally, like, Bill, like, just hold on to your jaw. I'm about to drop five stats in a row that are all just insane. So these are percentiles of Devin Williams where he ranks in Major League Baseball. Ready? Mm -hmm. Exit velocity, 99th percentile. Hard hit percentage, 99th percentile. Oh, boy. Expected batting average against, 100th percentile. Slugging expected, 100th percentile. Barrel rate, 100th percentile. Strikeout rate, 99th percentile. Whiff rate, 99th percentile. Holy shit. Extension, 100th percentile. My God. The dude has 20.7 Average inches movement on his changeup. I remember when you dropped that last year. That was nuts. His changeup drops almost 21 inches. That's almost two feet that his changeup drops. That's crazy. Exactly, Bill. Bill said people wonder why we traded Josh Hader, aside from the fact that he's going to be making $15 million this year. And so the guy was going to pitch less than 100 innings. The thing that I always go to is – Remember when people were giving shit to Devin Williams to start the year? <laughs> yup. I certainly do. Like, because uh, of small fucking sample sizes. Some people. He struggled in literally one inning against the Cubs in the first series of the year, and people were freaking the fuck out. Yep. Never forget. <sighs> Never forget. <laughs> so, Devin Williams is my pick for the Brewers' best pitcher. I... Aside from a catastrophic injury, like knock on wood, like Devin Williams is going to be just an absolute monster. Yes. Death taxes and Devin Williams change up being unfucking hittable. Those are the things you can rely on. <laughs> For real. For real. <laughs> I haven't said sports fans don't overreact. You're right. Just Wisconsin sports fans. Oof. And I know it's not everybody, but being activists for for positivity and, and, you know, open-mindedness at the very least, 
Like it's it's been rough the last six months. Yeah, All I'm right. not going to touch that subject. I'm just going to keep. We're going. we're in a happy <laughs> mode right now, so let's keep yeah. it going. Give me your who do you think is going to be the Brewers' best position player in 2023? I really hope we don't have the same player. But you I better not steal both. my guy, but I guarantee I have stats you don't. If we do have the same guy, I know we both love him. And when I was looking at the roster, I was like, it's almost inevitable that this is the best hitter and defensive player like combined. I picked Willie Adamas. Is that who you picked? Okay, I don't have Willie Adamas. Okay. I have the other Willie. Oh, I was like, I was like, God, I really hope that we don't pull that Willie Adams. I should have, I should have like balked at you that way. I should have been like, I have Willie. <laughs> I'm Contreras. Um, so here, here's a just a few stats that I think he's gonna put up. Um, I was gonna put wins above replacement, but I was like, eh, it's kind of hard to project. That's tough he to predict. Four point seven. He he was at four point seven last year, so I think he'll probably be somewhere close to that again. Um. Maybe a little bit more above above five, I would say, but he's going to have a two sixty nine average batting average. Nice, nice. <laughs> um, he's going to have a three thirty on base percentage, which is a right. pretty decent improvement. He's going to have a, a four seventy to four eighty slugging percentage. I couldn't decide. I was like, is he going to mash? Is he going to really really mash? He's going to be all right. I think he's going to have. I think he's going to have thirty five home runs and a hundred and five okay. RBIs. Those are some of the numbers that I'm throwing out there. Um, I do have some okay. pretty crazy numbers for 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 Jesse Winker when we talk about him, but you know, there it is. So for position player, I have William Contreras, and I I he's in my bold predictions as well. So I'm going to hold on to part of why I have him in my best uh, position player predictions. But he gives the Brewers a big offensive positional boost. Uh, as far as catcher goes, the Brewers haven't really had consistent hitting at catcher since the first half of the 2019 season when Omar Narvaez was an all-star. After that, you really struggled, dealt with a little bit of injuries, and then we got Victor Caratini, who had his moments, but overall wasn't very consistent either. So he gives the Brewers a major upgrade at a position of need that they haven't really had consistently since Jonathan Lucroy. We had the one Yasmani Grandal season, which was awesome. Yeah. But, you know, he was only here for the one year. So I'm looking for William Contreras to be a, a set it and forget it guy in your lineup at catcher that you can rely on for years to come. Um, and the Brewers, you know, the, the knock on William Contreras is that he's not a great defensive catcher. The Brewers do, however, have a history of turning guys that weren't great defensive catchers into good defensive catchers. Two guys that I just mentioned are both great examples. Both great examples, Omar Narvaez and Jonathan Lucroy. Neither one of them were great defensive catchers before they came to Milwaukee and became that while they were here. Uh, I'm going to save some more of that until we get to bold predictions, but I'm going to have more on that. So this this segment comes at uh, the interest of keeping our content consistent. So, you know, during, during the weeks, we do power pairs. We do that for the Badgers basketball team. We do it for the Bucks basketball team. And we do it for the Brewers. When we do Brewers, we do one pitcher, one position player, and then an underrated performer, which we do for all of our teams, um, including the Packers. We do underrated performers. Um, oh, James, you got time. You're still here. You still got time to catch more. Um, so Jake and I decided we're going to do an underrated performer. And I think going forward, like I kind of want to call it the Hobie Milner Award. 
as far as the Brewers go, because we're basically looking for a guy who is going to fly under the radar going into the season. And then at the end of the season, we're going to look at him and be like, damn, that guy really made a difference this season. And during spring training, I would have never have guessed that he would have been important to the season as he was. So who do you have for your underrated performer going into 2023? This one's kind of cheating. Because everybody knows who he is, and he's a pretty popular guy. But because of injury, I think people may forget about him. Okay. I don't know if, don't know if you're going to count this, but um, I have Aaron Ashby as my underrated. Oh, okay. I like it. I like it. You like that? Okay. I, I like it. Know, That's a good one. I, I was like thinking it. about it, and I was like, you know, people are talking about, you know, Jesse Winker coming on. Obviously, very excited about that. People are talking about William Contreras. They're talking about Yelich. They're talking about this situation now with Corbin Burns. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going around, but nobody's really bringing up Ashby outside that he's going to start the season on the injury report. Well, maybe a few few weeks here, but yeah. um, I think he's a guy that can solidify the back end of the starting five. Yeah. Um, He's a guy that has electric stuff when he's on, mm-hmm. and he can absolutely, you know, set him up and, and knock him down when he's right. Um, so I didn't make any predictions because I didn't know how many games he was going to start because it's 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 weird with him because I don't know how – you know, these injuries can linger on. So I'm kind of yeah. taking a little bit of risk saying him. Yeah. But I am going to say that Ashby definitely has the potential to become a household name in Milwaukee. I think he's a guy that if he's your fifth starter, like he is for the Brewers, potentially even the sixth starter, mm-hmm. like every single team in Major League Baseball would love to have a guy as good as Aaron Ashby as their fifth or sixth best starter. Yeah, we haven't even brought up a guy, Ethan Small, who which you sent me a video on Twitter today from. Yep. That guy can be dominant if he gets everything correct in the majors. He's been dominant me, in the minors. It, like, Ethan Small is on almost the exact same career path as Aaron Ashby. Yeah. Um, but to Jake's point, like I said, or like he said, um, I sent him a video today. Ethan Small uh, was informed by Craig Council that they're going to use him in some long relief uh, appearances out of the bullpen uh, because the Brewers are a little bit short on left-handed depth, which I think is part of why I have Alex Claudio as such an underrated addition to the bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's going to make the opening day roster. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the bullpen, I mean, it's – Joel Piams, Elvis Paguero, Jansen Junk, Jake Cousins, Hobie Milner, Matt Bush, Devin Williams. I mean, that's kind of where we're looking at right now. That's one lefty, Hobie Milner. Yeah. Um, Who's so great, by the way. But Yes, we love Hobie Milner. Hobie yeah. Milner was fucking awesome last year. Fucking um, So Ethan Small potentially into that mix as a left-handed pitcher. Alex Claudio, I think, really is a guy who's going to make the roster. Uh, Wade Miley could potentially make some appearances out of the bullpen if the like the, if the whole starting lineup is healthy. So if guys like Adrian Hauser are healthy and starting, you know, you could use Wade Miley out of the bullpen. If Bryce Wilson finds ways to be making starts, you could be using Wade Miley out of the bullpen. Um, <clears throat> and then, like you said, um, Aaron Ashby. So. For me, I went with another guy in the bullpen, a guy whose name I didn't mention just now. I'm going with Peter Strzelecki. I'm going with another bullpen pitcher, uh, just like Hobie Milner. But Peter Strzelecki made 30 appearances in 2022. He pitched 35 innings. He had a 283 ERA and a 141 ERA+. plus. Now, that's where league average is 100. 
-hmm. and it's um, <clears throat> calculated to take into effect um, like the ballpark you play in and stuff like that. So 100 being, you know, like like a replacement player, uh, Peter Strzelecki ERA plus was 141 in 2022. Okay. Um, he threw 40 strikeouts, only 15 walks, so a solid ratio there. Um, a 220 batting average against, so it's not, you know, it's not dominant stuff, mm -hmm. but you're talking middle relief, kind of like Hobie Milner was used last year, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh inning. Um, I like Peter Suzuki in that position. 27% strikeout rate last year for Peter Suzuki. That's pretty solid, actually. I'll take that. He's got a good fastball slider combo. Um, 15.6 inches of horizontal break on his slider. So damn. his slider moves. Pretty damn solid. He's got a, he's got a pretty good slider. Um. He generates literally double the league average of weak contact. The league average of weak contact last year was 3.8%. Mm -hmm. Peter Sozeki generated 7.6% of batted balls with weak contact. Literally double the league average. Brewers last five years, I'd say, have been really good at pitching, dude. That's 63 Oh, sorry. This is part of his slider, too. Um, I mentioned that horizontal break. That's 63% more horizontal break than the average in Major League Baseball. Pretty so, really good fastball slider combo for Peter Sozeki. Generates a lot of weak contact. He gets strikeouts. He doesn't walk a ton of guys. And people only bat 220 against him. So, I really like Peter Sozeki as an underrated performer. A guy that nobody's talking about right now. That's very fair. That was a good solid pick, man. Good solid pick. That's why I, I brought it up, and I'm like, Jake, when we're doing the primer, we're gonna pick our best position player and our best pitcher. Like, let's bring up an underrated performer, just like we do every week. And like, I knew who I was picking. I knew right away I was going with Peter Strzelecki. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do in 2023. Should try to get him on the show. That'd be that'd be sweet. That'd be fire. <laughs> I would love that. All right, so let's do let's do some record predictions. Um, I didn't ask you to do the whole NL Central. Um, I did just based on – I didn't give everybody a record prediction, but I kind of just gave like a ballpark of where I have everybody. But what do you have for, for the Brewers record prediction for 2023? I have us winning 93 games, Ooh. losing 69 games. Nice. I see what you did there. <laughs> well, I did that kind of for that, not going to lie. And I also did it. Because that was the same record that the Cardinals won the Central with last season. The okay. exact same record. And I think that it's going to be around that same thing this year. I think the Central is still one of the weaker divisions. Yeah. And I definitely think that the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to be fighting out for the top two spots. Yep. So. I strongly agree with that. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to say 88 and 74. I'm going to say the Brewers win 88 games. And this is in either direction three wins in either direction so i see a path where the brewers could win up to 91 games but i do see also a path where they could lose or they could win 85 games and with that that three game on each side that plus or minus three wins to the 88 that's also where the cardinals are going to finish the brewers and the cardinals are going to finish within three games of each other so 
Buckle up, Brewers fans. I think we're going to be in for another season where we're up to the last series, and it's like if the Brewers win two out of three, they're in the playoffs. And if the Brewers lose the series, they might be out of the playoffs. I think that's that's unfortunately the roller coaster we're going to ride this year is that the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to be so close that it comes up to the last week of the season to see who wins the NL Central. But, I mean, don't enjoy it because we, we if we don't win a ring. Don't enjoy the season and the ups and the downs. Mm. Just, yeah, can't be happy making the playoffs. And Just complain about it. I'm, I'm just going to say this, too, because we bring up the Brewers have been in the playoffs pretty good amount, and we're arguably talking about like the best era of Brewers baseball, the Craig Council era, that the Brewers have ever had. Like, this is right now like the best stretch of Brewers baseball that we've had. Well, We've made playoffs for the last five years. This is the last year of Council's contract when he signed He signed a three-year extension a couple yep. years ago. So um, a lot of things on the line here this year. A lot of young yep. guys, a good mix of, of some, some good additions, uh, some pitchers. I mean, there's a lot of shit on the line in Milwaukee, and I think it's – I'm feeling pretty damn good about it. Obviously, Bill is too. He predicted us to win 96 yeah, games. Yeah, Bill said 96 games. He picked Wade Miley for his underrated performer. If he returns to form, he could have a big bullpen impact. Yeah, that's a solid pick, Wade Miley. Um, I'm going to go even a step farther, and I'm going to say the Brewers, like to your point, you know, there's a lot of things in flux this year. And Corbin Burns and Craig Council being two of the biggest ones, and now Matt Arnold transitioning into, you know, the full time, you know, in charge of everything role. Mm-hmm. I think the Brewers are teetering; they are on the fence, and 2023 is going to decide if they go either into a full rebuild or become a dynasty. Oh, that was heavy. that was heavy bro that was heavy like i really see the path to either one okay i see it as well and this you know this might be something worth revisiting but you know we're looking at a thing where if the brewers like bill says win 96 games this year i don't think there's a way where they go no we can't bring corbin burns and brandon woodruff back I think it's a point where if the Brewers win 96 games, make a deep playoff run, they're like, no, we have these all guys coming up. Like, let's lock these guys in. We'll go full young guys, and this is going to tie into some of my bold predictions, but we have young guys littered all over the roster. You can fill in around them with one-year deals, and like I said, potentially a dynasty. Or if the Brewers somehow find a way to only win 70 games this year, you know, they could next season, you know, in the offseason, they could trade Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Willie Adamas and go full rebuild. Yeah. I think I, I think both of those outcomes potentially hinge on 2023. Could have put that in my bold predictions, but yeah, that was that was heavy. That's a good transition to bold predictions. I'll say that. Um I will say on the subject of records, I do think the Cubs are gonna be right around five hundred. Um, so probably six to eight games back of the Brewers and Cardinals. Um, you know, they've done enough that I think, like I said, I think they're going to be about a 500 team. You know, I don't think they're going to suck terribly, but I also don't think they're going to be as good as Cubs fans think they're going to be just because they added Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger, who isn't talked about in the same breath as Christian Yelich, even though he's had the similar downfall, but didn't fracture his kneecap in the process. Yeah, for real. 
Um, and then the, the Reds and the Pirates, they're both going to be between 60 and 70 wins. Going to kind of be just watching a couple really fun young players, and that's going to be the season for the Reds and the Pirates. Yep, I agree. I agree. All I right. think O'Neill Cruz is a stud. He is so fun to watch, and I feel the same way about Hunter Green on the Reds. Yeah. He's fun to watch. I'd agree with that. All right. You ready to do some bold predictions? I am. I'm getting them in order in the way that I want to do them. Okay. You want me to go first, or do you want to go first? I'll start this one. All right. Um, So my bold prediction. So a lot of them deal with the team. Um, This one is just a player one, though. So – I'm predicting Jesse Winker is going to come back to form in a big, big way. He's going to be a 300 hitter. He's going to hit 25 home runs and 85 RBIs. That's what okay. I'm going to go with. 25, that is 85, 300 hitter. Eerily similar to one of my bold predictions that also involves Jesse Winker. <laughs> my Jesse Winker bold prediction is a career high in home runs, which 25 would be. His career high in home runs is 24. That he did in 2021 when he was an all-star. In 2021, he batted 305, 394 on base percentage, and a 556 slugging percentage at a 949 OPS. Yeah. If Jesse Winker has those numbers again, he'll be an all-star and he'll mash a bunch of homers for the Brewers, and the Colton Wong trade will just look genius. I agree. All right, give me your second one. All right. Here's my second one. This is the one about the Cubs. The Brewers are going to sweep the Cubs in the season series. I feel like it's worth mentioning that there is less divisional play this year because there's more interleague play in the 2023 schedule. Mm -hmm. So they're not playing 21 games against each other. But it's still fun. I'm, I'm still with it. All right, my second one. You ready for this one? I think you're going to like this one because I have a lot of evidence to back it up. (laughs) <laughs> William Contreras was the number 47 pitch framer last season. Okay. He will cut that in half and be top 24 higher than his brother, Wilson Contreras in pitch framing. Okay. Now listen, that's a big jump to go from number 47 to top 24, but listen to this. So 2021, no, I'm going to go back farther. I'm going to go back to 2019. Omar Narvaez was number 56. In 2020, he came to the Brewers. He was number one. Shit. In 2019, Manny Pena was number 16. Um, and in 2019, Yasmany Grandel was number three. So lots of uh, sample size here for the Brewers having good pitch framers. Now listen here, 2021, Victor Caratini was on the San Diego Padres. He was the number 50 pitch framer. Last season in 2022, he was number 25. So he went from 50 to 25. Okay. 2019, Manny Pena was number 12, and Omar Narvaez was number one for the second year in a row at pitch framing. After being number 56 two years prior, he went back-to-back seasons of number one pitch framer after being number 56 in 2019. Damn. And then last season, Omar Narvaez was number six. So Omar Narvaez went from 2019 being number 56 to number one, number one, number six. 
Jesus. And Victor Caratini went from 2021 number 50 to 2022 number 25. So my next bold prediction is that William Contreras goes from number 47 pitch framer, cuts it in half, and is top 24 in pitch framing. All right. I'm with it. I'm with it. I like that you have supporting argument. Okay. If he uh, if he mashes and becomes a very good pitch framer, that trade is monster. That's all I'm going to say. All right. I think you're going to like this one. So I have two more. So the Brewers win the Central mm-hmm. on the final day of the season. Corbin Burns pitches a complete game to get us into the playoffs and locks up his second Cy Young. The Brewers re-sign Corbin Burns to a monster deal, three years, $120 million. Damn. That one's fire, bro. We win the division of the final day. Corbin Burns goes crazy, and we re-sign him. Bill's not going to like that one, but I like it. Damn, that is bold, but that's fun. Imagine that, dude. Yeah, dude, the, la- the last two I just went, I was just like, eh, I'm just going to go crazy. <laughs> I see like, that. Hey, that's why they're bold predictions. They're not lukewarm predictions. They're bold. Yeah, I mean, like, I tried to keep them in the realm of possibility, obviously. Right. But- and like, and I totally agree with you that the Brewers' season is going to come down the last few weeks, maybe the last day, like we've seen in recent yeah. history. So, it's just going to happen. The Cardinals are good; they're always good. The yep. Brewers are set up to be really good this year. It's going to be Brewers and Cardinals. We know that yep. going into the season. Yeah. So, and I, and I'm totally fine with that. Bill's bold prediction is that Brandon Woodruff has a big year. The bullpen comes into form. Burns gets traded, and the Brewers still win 96 games. That would be. Fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> that would he, that that is bold, but I you know that's fair. I mean he's definitely on board with my Aaron Ashby talk about him rounding out the, the starting pitching. If that happened, yeah. I mean that those things could play into each other. True. All right. So here's my my last bold prediction. It involves my guy Sal Frelick, who I am the conductor of the hype train for. Mm-hmm. Um Sal Frelick gets called up in August, and never plays another minor league baseball game. Okay. Definitely on board with that. Definitely on board with that. All right. This one's good. I like this one. This is probably my favorite one because it would make everybody happy. The Milwaukee Brewers are going to walk off a Christian Yelich walk-off. The San Diego Padres on Josh Hader – to go to the World Series. <laughs> That'd like be that. awesome. That like would that. be awesome. Let's fucking go. Bill Let's likes go. my Frelick prediction. A Chris, that's super specific for Christian Yelich to walk off Josh Hader to go to the World Series. Bro, we go to the World Series, so people stop bitching about that. They stop bitching about Christian Yelich because he plays hero. They stop bitching about Josh Hader because we traded him. Like, come on, man. That's three. Burying the Padres would be fun as well. Oh, dude. And I looked up the the top payrolls, and I was instantly disgusted. And the Padres are in the top five. I think they're, like, number three. But the freaking New York Mets, the Mets are number one. Oh, by a lot. I was like, holy shit. They've spent almost a half a billion dollars. I know. That's nuts. That's not okay. Yeah. And then I heard I heard a rumor going around. I don't know if it's true. You probably know more about it. But 
about like a kind of like a revenue sharing, almost kind of a cap kind of deal with baseball going around. There's talks about it. I haven't heard any such things. And I would love for baseball to have a salary cap because I think it would, it would create some parity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but baseball also needs to have a salary floor um, to prevent Great. teams from going full nuclear like the Oakland A's and the Pittsburgh Pirates have done in years past. True. Um, I agree. And what it essentially comes down to is TV money. Yeah. Um, you know, people like to say that San Diego doesn't have a big market. They may not have a big market, but they have a massive TV deal that dwarfs the Brewers TV deal. And you know, it's that's part of that's part of payroll. That's what it comes down to, and, and revenue is is TV money. So um, that stuff does matter. Um, I'd like to see, you know, ways to, to even things out, but I just don't think it's ever going to come to a point where they're like, all right, starting next year, we're going to have a hard cap and a hard floor. It's just not ever going to be a thing that the players union ever agrees to because it keeps the possibilities open for the Mets to sign five different guys to 10 year, $300 million deals. Which is fucking stupid, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. All all of that for them to not make it out of the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I like it. I, I think this was – I really enjoyed doing this Brewers primer. I like doing our season primers, but yeah, man, I got to be honest with you, I think this one has been one of my favorite primers that we've ever done. Well, I got to say that – one, I think we're definitely getting better. I think we're improving. I think we're getting better at talking to people, involving people. Bill's great, you know, staying in the conversation. James, you know, when we talk shit about the Celtics, he stays in the conversation. Isaac, Tyler just likes to use you as a punching bag for some reason. Um, but I am not going to say that this is my favorite yet because I really think that the Wisconsin Badgers season primer – that one is going to be fucking bonkers, dude. Oh, yeah. We're planning on doing that one live at the end of I, August. That one's going to be a lot of fun. But all of the ones that we've done, like I think the 2021 Bucks primer yeah. was probably one of the best ones because yeah. we won the championship that year. Yeah. So that one was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, this one, the thing about the Brewers is, is there's like there's like some knowns like we've talked about and there's some unknowns like we've talked yeah. about. And like – that keeps it interesting. Like, okay. That, that might we, be part of it. That's a good point. We know Corbin Burns is going to be good. We know Devin Williams is going to be almost unhittable. Like, we know that people are going to bitch about Christian Yelich when he has an 0 for 4 day, and then the next day he goes 3 for 4 with two doubles, and he's running around the bases looking like a fucking gazelle, right? So that's things that are going to happen. So we yeah. know what things are going to happen. But the unknown of how William Contreras and Jesse Winker and, you know, is, is Luis Rios going to get back to the 20 home run days? And yeah. is Rowdy Telez going to have – uh, multiple three home run days and steal one freaking base again. Like, there's there's things to look forward to that I'm, I'm yeah. really really excited about. So, and we're, I mean, look look at all the young guys that we're gonna see this year. We're gonna see all of them at some point. Um, I don't think we're gonna see Jackson Churio in a Brewers uniform quite yet this year. But I mean, like Bryce Terang is probably gonna be on the opening day roster. Garrett Mitchell is probably gonna be an opening day starter. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Weimer, maybe. Personally, I don't think he's going to get to the major league level this year. But Sal Frelick, he's part of my bold predictions. I think he's going to put on a Brewers jersey, and he's never going to take it off. That's, I'm with that. So, you know, we get to see some of the young guys. And like I said, I really believe that 2023 
is a fence the Brewers are standing on, and one side is a rebuild, and the other side is a dynasty. So we'll see what side of the fence they come down on. But I'm really I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I don't think we're going into a season where it's like, all right, it's going to be a, you know a rebuild. It's going to be tough. The Brewers are only going to win 75 games this year. I don't think that's the case. You know, they're not going to be winning 100 games like the Dodgers and, you know, all the other teams that are trying to buy championships. But, you know, this this Brewers team is going to face some adversity, but they'll be better for it. And that's, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. Me too, man. Uh, I'm also looking forward to uh, not being in wintertime anymore. Touche. Um, yeah, like we're about to sign off and it's not looking forward to how much snow is going to be outside my door. I have, I have, obviously we haven't checked for an hour and 58 minutes. So this is either, this is going to be uh, probably kicking the nuts. I'll just keep it real. <laughs> yeah. Lovely. Yeah. Well, you know, we thank everybody for, for sticking with us during the whole show and for watching parts of the show. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun and yes, we will, we will be sending out some brewers gifts um simon said he's not looking forward to winters either yeah you're gonna have alaskan winter so like you just might as well just not ever open your door so ever. <laughs> it's just gonna, it's just gonna be like waste. it's gonna be like a tyrese movie where it's just waist deep all the time <laughs> <laughs> oh jesus uh, um also right. let's just cheer for the badgers in a positive manner tonight let's cheer for them to beat iowa it's always nice to beat a rival like that so uh just don't go to work, he says. I agree with that. Strong um, considerations for tomorrow. James, you don't know how freaking winter is, dude. You don't know it. You, yeah, exactly. You have no James is idea. probably like, I broke out my winter jacket. It was 40 degrees outside today. Bro, <laughs> if we have 40 degrees at any time in the next week, which I haven't looked at the forecast. Monday. Um, Monday? Monday. Dude, shorts. Easy. Not even fucking kidding you. Fucking shorts. I don't care if there's still snow on the ground shorts it's all gonna melt that's the annoying thing like i'm sick of shoveling just to have it all melt three days later i know i know it's so stupid bro telling you but whatever it is what it is man um all right hey and if you want to get a yelly hoodie like the one i'm wearing super comfortable go check out wiscoball.com and you can get some wisco fanatics t-shirts on the same website so simon said get a flamethrower yeah i'll get right on that Drop one off on your way to Alaska, military man. (laughs) Bill, have a safe vacation. Um, I'm Wisconsin, Bucks and Six. This is my crew. Let's go. All right. Quest for Madness starts tonight against Iowa. All right. Have a good night, everybody. Take care. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.